the people at the the people that worked at the dump by then was obviously a slow afternoon and they were bored of doing what they're meant to be doing so they started taking a real interest in what I was doing and crowding round to have a look so and I realized that if I rolled back the front passenger seat and opened the front door I could sort of wiggle the chair seat in two legs then two legs in a way so that it had the backrest was in the front footwell the four legs were pointing up diagonally up towards the windscreen and the the seat of the chair was 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 sat on the front seat and I I managed to get it in in you know inch by inch it went in finally it was it was probably crushing a bit over onto the driver's side but I thought it's fine I can get in I can drive with this and I I pushed the door shut and it was blocked by about half an inch there just was some resistance half an inch and by this time there was such a crowd of well-wishers I'll call them or blokes uh, and this lady in a cowboy hat who were laughing at me trying to get this chair in the car that I I thought I've got to deal with this quickly and I turned around with my butt I bumped the door as hard as I could and pushed it shut and what happened at that instance was was that one of the legs which was a wooden leg that had like a metal nail on the end of it just punched a hole clean through the windscreen about the size of a pound and just this little gunshot hole and glass this this shattered glass sprinkling over my bonnet to which all the guys at the dump fell about laughing Hello and indeed welcome to the Uncredible Adventures podcast. Thank you so much for giving this a go, for joining me today. I am Cornelius and this podcast is a conversation and story-based podcast drawing on my own experiences and the stories and tales from some of the interesting people that I've met along the way. It should be an easy listen for you, perfect companion if you're in the car, if you're away from home traveling, or if you're alone and looking for company. It's a funny and informative conversation between me and you, whoever you are, wherever you are. There's no politics in this episode, nothing that's going to wind you up too much, I hope. Not much, uh, some very mild bad language but there there is gratuitous and frequent use of the word rabbit so if you are uh, from a, a community where the word rabbit is contraband then I suggest that you try one of the upper episodes which you will find uh, wherever you found this episode none of these stories are made up and none of these stories is entirely true the episode we got for you tonight is about many things, but predominantly it's about the mysterious and strange island of Portland in Dorset, somewhere where I had the good fortune to live for a few years. And I'm talking tonight about some of the wonderful things I saw, some of the really interesting people I met, and some of the things that make Portland absolutely unique in the world, including tonight, one of the stories you heard a, a little bit of it at the top there, but is how I bought a chair from the dump that smashed a hole in the windscreen of my car which unleashed a chain of chaos and disruption in my life and in a few other people's lives as well ultimately ending up in a bill for over £20,000. <laughs> I'd love to hear back from you. 
So please visit the website uncredibleadventures.com to find some more episodes and some more information. Or you can get me on Instagram at uncredibleadventures or Twitter, which is at uncrediblepod. I will be posting up some pictures from my time in Portland, some complimentary pictures from this post. So if you are at all interested in what we're talking about tonight please have a look on there leave me a comment send me a message and of course wherever you've got this podcast from please subscribe please leave me a comment there i will read all of them and i'd love to hear back what you enjoyed what you didn't and where we take the podcast from here a little bit of a disclaimer i recorded this podcast live i don't use a script so my facts and figures are not going to be uh, entirely correct if you want to fact check me I'm sure you'll find plenty of problems in there one of the things I have listened back to this episode and one thing that I do that's really annoying is that I'm talking about airsoft airsoft which is using pellet guns that fire plastic pellets uh, in a war game type scenario and I call it softball softball of course is the little brother to baseball which is a game where you hit a big ball using a bat so apologies for that it really bugged me when I listened to it it might bug you as well so when please bear in mind when I'm talking about softball I mean airsoft the other thing I make a, a comment in here that it's safe to walk around quarries that is absolutely not true. Any working place like a quarry, uh, a mine or any of the similar are by definition absolutely not safe for you just to wander around. So please take responsibility for your own safety. Don't take the word of a uh, mysterious voice on a podcast telling you that you can enter a, a quarry or a mine and be entirely safe. That's not true. That said, without further ado, please, it's my pleasure to introduce you to White Rabbit's episode of Uncredible Adventures podcast. Do you ever use the phrase white rabbits, white rabbits? I don't think I've heard it for years. We used to, I remember being kids that used to be me and my sister and my mum. We'd do white rabbits, white rabbits on the first day of the month. As a little good luck charm. There was also pinch punch first day of the month, but we didn't we didn't really do that one at home. That was that was more the rough kids at school. In fact, they they call, used to call it was kick punch, kick punch first day of the month. You get from some of the hard kids at school, give them opportunity just to to mildly assault you, <laughs> but with with very mild consequences for them. Yeah, pinch pinch punch, kick punch first day of the month. And I never really thought about it but rabbits are seen as a, a good luck symbol or a good luck omen in just about every civilization or, or culture around the world in various different ways rabbits are always seen as lucky or they represent good fortune think of things like a, a, a lucky rabbit's foot which if you're like me you've probably never actually <laughs> seen one but you you've heard of of a lucky rabbit's foot on a key ring is a, a symbol of good luck. I say almost every culture in the world, of course, is always an exception to the rule. I was thinking this evening about a, a period of my life where I had a string of very bad luck without much good luck in. No, it was mixed good fortune. Had the good fortune to, to find out I was, or my partner was expecting our first baby. Um, that definitely was good luck. Unfortunately, it happened at a time which was probably way before I was ready to be a dad in my life, but in particular, an acutely 
difficult moment because I, I was going through the process of losing my job. It's about 13 years ago uh, and I was working in the city. Of course, I remember I'd, I'd only recently started this new job and I remember the first day of travelling in on the DLR. Picked up a copy of the Metro and it was the first time I, I knowingly read the phrase credit crunch. It very quickly became very, very real and uh, yeah, and ended to a point where, where not only was I losing my job but my entire industry was collapsing and living in a, a yuppie flat on the Isle of Dogs, beautiful place, we could not really afford it even at that point but certainly there was no way we, we, we could stay living there after I lost my job and the fact we had a brand new baby on the way and, and, and there was going to be major life adjustments so I, I went looking for new work a new career but we also threw in the idea of, of of starting a new life in a different place we had to move out of London anyway and I guess we didn't really have a place that we thought of as so we 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 pretty much said well if you're going to start again where would you like to live I was looking at jobs at that point that were pretty flexible pretty evenly spread around the country so we we said let's move to the seaside and started looking at the the map see little seaside towns along the southwest of the UK and we came across a, a place primarily the first thing that interest that interested us was that for the for the same cost of rent in any of these lovely little seaside towns along the south coast where the money we were looking at would get us uh, if we were lucky maybe a two-bedroom flat for the same money there was a a place where you could get yourself a, a three-bedroom house with a loft room and it, it looked too good to be true and that that place was Portland the Isle of Portland which if you've ever looked if, if you're not familiar with with Portland in the UK this is Portland Dorset not to be confused with Portland Oregon which the information and the the the, the views of which of which is filtered through to me my only knowledge coming from from what I've seen and, and what I've read I think it's it it's a bit like an American version of Brighton. Very, very progressive place. No, this was Portland, Dorset, which if, if you ever look at a map um, coming off Weymouth, there's like a, a little island that looks a bit like a comma attached by a stick to the mainland. The stick is actually a bridge and there's a, a, a huge shale bank of stones, which is the mighty Chesil Beach. So Portland very, very quickly became the favourite place for us to move. So we looked and we found a few different places to rent and I'd started my a new job by then and the training course was up in Manchester. So I was up in Manchester for the first four weeks and what we did was on one of the first weekends that I started my new job, we booked in viewings for two or three little houses on Portland with, with pretty much the guarantee that whatever happened, we had to choose one this weekend and, and move in as quickly as possible. Portland is, is is a really, really. I'm going to try and describe it, but it, it's almost indescribable. It's the, it's it's the most rugged, weathered place you can imagine. It it, it really you know it, it really is. It, it's like a, an island from Father Ted or something, but even more rugged. Rugged and 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 the reason it's even more rugged. If when when I talk to people who who aren't from near here, 
and ask them if they've ever heard of Portland. The things that normally stand out to people is Portland Bill, which is the name of the lighthouse on the, the, the bottom tip of the island, but it was also a kid's TV show. Or they might be aware of the Olympics, 2012 Olympics, the sailing events were held in Portland Harbour, although I think that ri- that all got branded as Weymouth for who knows what reason, but it was actually in Portland Harbour. But the other thing that people might have heard of is Portland Stone. And Portland Stone is... is limestone and this tiny little island it's it's only a couple of miles across a couple of miles long mile across mile and a half maybe this tiny little island has built most of london so buckingham palace is built of portland stone and st john's cathedral the the cenopath on on whitehall all these big iconic light stone buildings of portland stone which is limestone quarried out of the rock island of portland even the 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 un headquarters in new york city is portland stone it's a wildly successful and and popular product but it's all come out of this really tiny little island and it's a really interesting place to walk around there's there's a there's a lot of access to outdoor areas but as you walk around, you will see varying types of open quarry from around the years. Open cast quarries, they are. Dating all the way back, I think the first, you know, the the, the Romans were the first people that, that ever extracted limestone from Portland. But even in more recent days, you, if you walk around, you see modern quarries that are, are still working with big yellow jcbs and machinery and all very neat but you'll also find much smaller more overgrown quarries from from back in the days before they had mechanization so they were using horses and various clever pulleys and 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 hand tools to to mine the portland but what happens and i i I think until i moved to portland this is something i never really thought about never really considered it but what happens with something like stone when you're quarrying you know lumps of stone enough to build Buckingham Palace well what happens is on this tiny little island where you pulled it out of you create a hole the size of Buckingham Palace and they don't fill them I kind of I would I always had this this idea or this imagination that that they would backfill something like that and it, it you know oh, fill it with soil and put grass over the top and then you've got a lovely field or you know you can build build houses on it. you can't build houses because these are bloody great pits in the ground you wouldn't you wouldn't want to walk down there I live down, certainly want to live down there but but also when you think of the if you're gonna what are you gonna fill them with you know fill them with soil well where's that soil come from you're just gonna leave a hole somewhere else so it, it's full of these huge open pits that you can walk around they're they, they are they are dangerous but if you if if you're careful, they're they're relatively safe. None of them are, are fenced off, even the ones that are currently open and working. You walk around in the weekends when they're shut. You can just wander in. You can walk around. They're completely open. I I guess that's economic reasons more than more than any other. They don't want to pay for security and fences and things like that. But one of them, I don't know if it's still running, but it always was. You could do softball. So you, on a Sunday. Uh, morning used to see people all dressed up in in army gear and camo gear with plastic guns firing pellets at each other running around the quarries which made a brilliant landscape i think for for never really been into to softball but if i was i think it's got to be on your list of places to to play softball 
Portland in the quarries would be probably as close to something like the, the surface of the moon as you could possibly imagine. So this weekend we we had these viewing booked. We 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 drove we drove over on the Saturday morning and then got there at about midday and it was a little bit early for our first viewing. So we we found the property that we were gonna view and there was a little pub a few doors up that appeared to be open. So we thought, okay, we we'll we'll, we'll go and sit in this pub and we walked in. It was it was open, but there was not really anyone in there. There were just one, uh, a couple of guys up at the bar having a, a conversation. So we sat down and we got drinks and, and we were chatting and we, we could overhear this conversation of the, the, these two guys. And there was one of them, it was called Jim, we later learned. We, we, we got to know Jim in the end. But he was he was wearing his blue farmer's overalls and his wellies and he had mud splattered up, up him. Really really serious he he was young and and pretty good looking but he had you know very heavy mono brow and a very serious face and he was he was chatting to this other lad about a girl that he he he'd managed to convince to go on a date with him he'd been looking for a girlfriend and one of the local girls had said she'd go on a date with him and they were discussing where he might take her and so his mate had suggested that he take him up to the harbor heights hotel which was a place we we later got to know as a a sort of mid-range little small boutique hotel it's quite nice it's got good views and the the one of the funniest things and the greatest introduction to portland was that jim turned around at the suggestion that he take this girl up to the harbour heights for a meal and he said i can't go up there smelling of pags (laughs) and his mate said to him he said he said, well, look, if you're not, you know, if you, something along the lines of if you're going to wear your welly boots to a date, then you've only got yourself to blame. And Jim turned around and he said, I'm not going to try and do the voice again. But he, but he said, he said, if she can't be doing with me covered in shite, then what's the point? <laughs> we didn't end up moving into that house, but the one we did move into also had a pub just on the corner from it and when I, when I started my new job it was one where I was out and about in the car all day meeting people and then I had a, an hour or two's admin to do on my laptop once I got home but we had a brand new baby my eldest son was born while while we were on the island I started to find it really difficult because once I got home if I if I got home at about three o'clock then I, I found it really difficult to be in the house and I couldn't find a quiet place. I couldn't concentrate and I also wanted to be at home. So I had the idea that, do you know what, there's this pub on the corner and, and, and instead of when I get home at three, instead of getting home at three, I could I just realised how this sounds and I, it really wasn't the plan to be in the pub at three o'clock every afternoon. But I just thought this would be a good place for me to go, get my laptop out. I could order a cappuccino, um, in a nice airy pub, connect to their Wi-Fi, rattle off my emails, make a few phone calls, and and return home, um, feeling great. So I, I went one afternoon, three o'clock. I went into this pub and I opened the. And the first thing was that the pub was full of smoke. This and this was way past the smoking ban, but inexplicably, the the pub was filled with smoke, and it was because the landlord who was standing behind the bar was smoking, uh, and that it was completely empty, very very dark. So one of these pubs, it's got tiny stained glass windows um 
with with beer signs hanging up over them so very very dark very dark wood inside very hard furnishings and you know not the bistro coffee tables that i'd been expecting but i went in and the there was the only the barman in there and and this old this old man sitting hunched over at the end of the bar nursing a pint and they were they were talking in low voices and they they both froze as i walked in it was immediately obvious that they weren't expecting me to come in i later learned i didn't realize at the time but i later learned that the pub didn't open until five o'clock and it just happened to have the front doors unlocked and i'd I'd kind of walked in on a private conversation between the landlord and one of his mates nevertheless i i walked in and made the second mistake they were already staring at me i was so uncomfortable that i i I kind of froze and didn't know what to do and there was a, a chair at a table fairly near the door which i just sat down at sat down at the table and started getting my laptop out and unfolding it on the table while these two guys were giving me the stink eye. It's only as I'm telling the story right now that I've realised that I it was a pub. I probably should have gone to the bar to order. But instead I <laughs> sat there expecting some table service. So eventually after staring at me for a bit, the barman did come over and he said to me, he said, do you want a drink? I said, oh yes, lovely, thank you. Do you have a coffee menu? <laughs> And he looked at me and he said, well, I can put the kettle on. <laughs> so I said, oh, yeah, OK, yeah, 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 that would be great. Thank you. And watched him walk back behind the bar and up these steps that led to the masonette or the, the flat that he lived in with his family. And it realised what he was doing was literally going to his kitchen at home to make me a cup of coffee while I sat there. So he brought this this cup of Nescafe down in the end in a world's greatest dad mug or something like that. And he put it on the table and I said, oh, how, how much is that? I said, I don't know, 50p? To which I said, um, oh, have you got change for a 20? He said, don't worry about it. I went back to chatting to his mate, only they turned the music up really, really loud. I can't remember what it was, but he turned the music up really, really loud. While I sat there trying to drink this scalding hot cup of really horrible coffee and and realised there was absolutely no Wi-Fi. I couldn't connect. It was too dark to see anything. I was getting stunk up with smoke. The two guys were staring at me. And I couldn't leave, of course, until I, you know, they could not do the final insult of not drinking my cup of coffee. So you can imagine that was that pub was about three doors down from us on the corner. And, and Portland's a very, very small community. And the towns on Portland are very, very small everyone knows everyone so that immediately got me shunned from quite a large section of the yeah, of, of portland society and um, certainly anyone sympathetic of that pub was was warned off me there was another group of people that that although i never met anyone really that took it seriously but presumably wouldn't like me it would be someone to think of me as being kimberlin so anyone not born or been on Portland for a significant amount of time is called a Kimberlin and I was I was a Kimberlin not to be mistaken with a grockle and a grockle is a holiday maker so Kimberlins are a couple of steps above a grockle but certainly not fully accepted that that the house we had was made of Portland stone 
someone told us it was a quarryman's house so it's very particular design but part of that design was that it had a really abnormally small front door and a very very small front window and was was part of a terrace that was completely enclosed you you could not get to the back garden from from anywhere else and part of the problem with that was that we realized we couldn't actually get any comfortable furniture into the house we couldn't fit a sofa in we couldn't fit big armchairs the, we managed to get the bed in because it, it folded down completely but the mattress was a bit of a challenge but eventually got it in but we didn't have any chairs and it's a really horrible way to live where your only choice of a rest is as is essentially a dining chair or sitting in your bed and and we used to start he was to start going to bed really really early just because he didn't want to be sitting on a dining chair and uh, yeah terrible way to live so I was one afternoon there's a dump on Portland and I was at the dump and I saw this chair that it wasn't huge but it looked really really comfortable so it had it had four wooden legs and then like a shape padded body and because it wasn't a full armchair but it was shaped I thought oh this might be it you know a a comfy chair that we can fit into our house what a great luxury that will be so I went over to there's a lady that worked at the dump wearing a a cowboy hat uh, and a high-vis vest and I went over and I said can I take this chair she said yeah a pound but I paid her a pound I didn't ask her for change for 20 this time um I'd learnt my lesson on that one I paid her a pound and took it back to the car and immediately realised this this little saloon car I had had a, got a tiny little capsule boot that just physically didn't open wide enough that you could... It was probably deep enough to get the chair in, but it didn't open wide enough that you could the, any one side of the chair could fit in. And I I started to think about sort of putting two legs in and then two legs under the back bumper and tying the car and try tying the chair to see if that would work but the people at the the people that worked at the dump by then was obviously a slow afternoon and they were bored of doing what they're meant to be doing so they started taking a real interest in what I was doing and crowding around to have a look so I, I thought I'm not right I'm not pursuing this anymore because they're they're already chuckling you know and I think the sight of me is bloody kimbling trying to tie the chair into the into the back of the car might be too much so um i changed the plan changed the strategy assessed the situation i realized if i rolled back the front passenger seat and opened the front door i could sort of wiggle the chair seat in two legs then two legs in a way so that it had the backrest was in the front footwell the four legs were pointing up diagonally up towards the windscreen and the the seat of the chair was 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 sat on the front seat and I I managed to get it in in you know inch by inch it went in finally it was it was probably crushing a bit over onto the driver's side but I thought it's fine I can get in I can drive with this and I I pushed the door shut and it was blocked by about half an inch there just was some resistance half an inch and by this time there was such a crowd of well-wishers I'll call them or blokes uh, and this lady in a cowboy hat who were laughing at me trying to get this chair in the car that I I, I thought I've got to deal with this quickly and I turned around and with my butt I bumped the door as hard as I could poof, and pushed it shut and what happened at that instance was was that one of the legs which was a wooden leg that had like a metal nail on the end of it just 
punched a hole clean through the windscreen about the size of a pound and just this little gunshot hole and glass this this shattered glass sprinkling over my bonnet to which all the guys at the dump fell about laughing best entertainment they'd had all afternoon and i tried to act like oh i oh i thought that might happen oh you know these bloody things no well it's in now never mind got in the car and 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 one bloke one of the guys had come over and stood so he was blocking me so i couldn't drive away because he obviously wanted to have a chat and i wound the window down and he said oh mate he said what you want to do is just ring up and say that you were driving behind one of the lorries for one one of these stone companies up here and he got and and a, and a, and a stone flew off and did it we didn't but quite an interesting suggestion but i, I didn't need to because it was a company car although dealing with the, the the fleet lady at that time was pretty scary that's a story for another day but it was fairly simple i i, I rang work and i said oh i've I, i've got a stone chip but it's it's put a hole right through the windscreen can you send someone so they arranged for these this company to come and fit a new windscreen and they come and came and pulled up on the drive i chatted to the guy for a bit he said yeah you know take about half an hour take the old windscreen out put the new one in good as good as new and he, he, he was going on a little bit about how oh you won't be able to see the serial number of the car through this new windscreen but it's because you know he, he was like trying to describe to me what a generic product was and i was like okay i really didn't care the main my main concern that i had the biggest thing i was worried about at that point was that he wasn't going to write on the report that this wasn't a stone chip and it looked like being broken by someone smashing a smashing a chair leg through the window so they did the job and all was fine and i had i had the car for a little bit longer i only had it for about another six months through the winter until the the lease ran out and i one thing in hindsight that I did notice was that the quite often the carpets, the foot, footwell carpets would be really wet. Yeah, they'd be really soaked with water. And I always used to think like, oh, the kids have spilt water, spilt their drinks or, you know, what what is this? Never really thought too much about it. And then right before it was due to come back, some things happened like the air conditioning wouldn't work anymore. You couldn't turn it on. None of it came on. And then the electric window stopped working. And then finally, they used to do a thing where if you turn the ignition off, the car would keep running for five or ten seconds, really long, five or ten seconds before it killed off. But I didn't bother reporting any of it because, A, it was just more hassle than it's worth and I didn't want to have to deal with the fleet lady. And B, because it was it was due to go back. So a guy came, picked it up, took it back. I didn't tell him any of the problems. I think he said he was driving it up to the Midlands or something. So, yeah, he... It was quite a hot day when he came and picked it up. Really hot day, in fact. And, yeah, he picked up a car with no air conditioning and you couldn't wind the windows down on it. So, yeah, sorry sorry about that. Anyway, I got a phone call a day or two later from the company saying, did you know that your car had no air conditioning, wasn't working, and, you know, this and the... And the windows weren't working. And I said, oh, no, I was, you know, ooh, weren't they? Oh, yeah, do you know what? They had been a bit funny before, but I thought they were okay. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, and they said, well, there's there's some electrical problems with your car. And they've got it back to the garage. They're, they're trying to look it up. And to try and solve these electrical problems, they've taken the dash off. And about three litres of water have 
poured out into the car. The dash was like you. She said, "I can't believe you couldn't hear it sloshing." Like your your dashboard was essentially was filled with water. Um, <laughs> she said, "What you know what?" She said, "There was a, there, there's a problem with the windscreen. It's got a it's got a non it's got a windscreen that doesn't fit. It's got a windscreen for another car on it. What what happened with that?" They <laughs> said, "Well, I don't know. I didn't. You booked it. You were the, you just sent them. I don't know who they were." Um, <laughs> and yeah so they looked into it and and this company had since gone out of business it didn't exist anymore so yeah we that that chair from the dump that one pound chair i got from the dump um the car was written off they said it's not worth it's so extensive that it's better to 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 sell it for scrap than to repair it so and i think it was still worth twenty thousand pounds at least at that point so that one pound chair from the dump cost me or cost someone didn't cost me cost someone twenty thousand pounds and immediately became the most precious thing i owned if i still owned it um what i didn't mention was after getting it back from the dump with the leg sticking out the window sticking through the front window i drove off as fast as i could because they were all laughing at me i got it home I couldn't fit it through the front door of the house. It didn't matter which way I did it. It didn't fit outside the front door of the house. So I just put it on the pavement. And my partner came back and said, you cannot leave that on the pavement. You've got to take it back to the dump. So, yeah, about 20 minutes after, they just watched me drive away <laughs> with this chair that had smashed my windscreen. I had to fit it back into the car. I had to fit the leg through the same hole in the windscreen and I drove it back to the dump and tried to of course they all noticed me come in and I had to come and take it out the car and put it back leave it at the dump and drive off so yeah another section of the community that I was completely alienated from (laughs) on Portland if you are ever in the in the in the, the southwest and you're near you're in Dorset or near Weymouth I absolutely recommend a drive up onto portland to, to look at some of the views and just to, to to see this amazing island um and there's a there's a it's probably not very secret but when we moved there we absolutely didn't know about it this place we used to go for, for quite long walks we'd walk all around through the quarries and around the cliff paths and things like that and one afternoon we were walking and I spotted a little rabbit carved out of stone about the size of a shoebox on top of a big rock was a little rabbit and it was really really detailed like someone had really carefully carved this and I thought it was you know absolutely incredible to the middle of the quarry to to see that someone has done this and we carried on walking and one of these was a huge rock you know the size of uh, size of a minibus and it really looked from the side like the face of a crocodile. You could see the really long snout and the sharp teeth. And the closer we got, the more and more it looked like a, a crocodile. And, and when we got really close, we could see on the rock just next to it was a full-size bison head with massive horns sticking out. And you looked around and suddenly we realised we were in the middle of a, an art gallery, a, a sculpture park. There was... Everywhere you looked was just incredible sculpture from things like there were table a table and chairs, there were animals, there were symbols, there were bits of really ornate carved stone like you'd see on a church, but just one section from the pillar. There was some there's some really quite abstract art, like one installation where there's 
all these giant rocks about the size of fridges in metal cages and then thick metal chains that go into a big twisted anchor that is like anchoring them into the earth like as if they're in danger of getting up and flying away which is incredible there's like a half submerged viking ship incredible load of art and we, we walked around we came i mean what a way to to find this place and to 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 explore this place and there was no signs no information absolutely no idea what it was and we walked around in all different directions it's huge looking at this art all afternoon it was absolutely breathtaking we we later learned that it's this place called talc quarry just at top hill on portland and it is owned or or certainly some has an interest in from anthony gormley so i don't really know who anthony gormley is other than i've heard his name and he's an artist but i, I gather he's a sculpture and essentially this is the 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 place where he practices he runs lessons he experiments they 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 make some of the stuff there and what is lying around is basically all the stuff he's made and not sold or his students have made or, or people have made it's it as so it and that it, it, imagine just that incredible access you will never see that of another artist you know do you imagine for uh, i'm not particularly into to to fine arts but you know if you're into painting if you can imagine being having access to leonardo's workshop and looking through the racks of paintings and all the rest of it must be and it's almost like this with the, the living artist fascinating place really really interesting and and absolutely well worth a visit and Part of the quarry goes, there's a, there's a huge tunnel, an arched tunnel with a path over the top. And this is, of course, this was an active quarry, so it, a very old one. A lot of it's overgrown, but you can see it was an active quarry. And this arch was built, it's got a date in it, it's the 1800s, 1855 or something, and was built by quarrymen as a functional tunnel that they needed because they were running a minecart along the top of it and this tunnel went underneath and if you look at it it's it's little pieces of stone each about the size of i don't know a deck of cards or a little bit bigger maybe like a book each the size of a book and they've stacked hundreds of them one over the other with no cement that i can see no mortar all the way in this huge arch and it's lasted you know over a hundred years through through all weather through the you know whatever vandals can come and whatever people can do it's it's and this is, like I said, on Portland, you, you, you see the modern quarries and then you realise the history and you imagine the, the people and the ingenuity and the the ability they had to shape stone. And now it's a place where these artists come and, 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 and experiment on the visual arts and making works of art. But, but actually at, at the, some of the, the arch like that and just the working things that these guys could do in the quarry, like a lifetime of chiseling stone and working with stone has enabled them to, to create real art, lasting artworks. And it seems absolutely fitting that some of these original things, like there's a little cave that's been dug out of the woods, out of the rock. And it's got little alcoves for candles, presumably that you can also imagine these these guys it's very wet and windy up there very very exposed and you imagine when a storm comes in you want to get inside a little cave to shelter from it so i mentioned at the start about how the rabbit is seen as a good luck charm or a good luck omen in 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 just about every culture in the world and i, I say every almost every culture because one of the 
few places where rabbits are not a good luck charm is on Portland, where rabbits are seen as very, very bad luck. Um, now, the way that exists now, actual rabbits themselves, it's an interesting situation where you could have a pet rabbit on Portland. I don't think anyone would care. But the superstition, the folklore, the, the history has been whittled down to the point where what is contraband is the word rabbit. And there might be, and I'll apologise because there may be people who are listening to this episode because they've um, seen in the description or, or in the transcripts that it talks about Portland or or Tout Quarry or, or, or some of these places they're interested to hear about. So if you are listening to, to Portland, I apologise for my cultural insensitivity. I'm going to say the word a few more times. Perhaps I'll go back and record a, a trigger warning for the start. So what would happen... It, on Portland, if you say the word rabbit in in any type of of company, you'll get uh, people be uncomfortable. So mostly people will just be silent or it might kill a conversation. You might get a funny look. It's unlikely to be any more than that, but definitely there is a reaction. And it was it's the same as, as, as dropping the F-bomb when you're, you're talking to your mum's friends. So what people do instead is they do use other words because, like I said, you can you can eat rabbit on portland you could see a rabbit you might have a pet rabbit you just can't use the word rabbit so the one that i heard everyone use was bunnies it's surprising how, how often it gets used on a on an island where you not many use the word rabbit but yeah bunnies 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 i've also read underground mutton is apparently a name although i lived on portland for quite a long time and never heard someone call it that there's probably others as well i i i think we could probably come up with some pretty good ones but people just used to call it bunnies but there's no there's no clear record on on why rabbit is such a bad word on Portland or why rabbits are seen for bad luck where it comes from. They don't know exactly. But one theory or the, the, the biggest theory and where they think it is, and the one I like best, is that it comes from the fact that, that Portland has such a long history in quarrying. And like I said, a lot of this, this work is is went back a very long time before mechanization before they had machines and diesel engines and it was really uh, i guess it still is but back then certainly very physical difficult hard work using horses and ingenuity and skill and strength and they'd be hammering iron rods into the into the stones to make them crack and using explosives it was also really really dangerous and quarries a quarry collapse or a quarry slide would always be a risk and and i don't know the statistics i can't look at it but i would be fairly certain people will have lost their lives on portland in quarry accidents um maybe even recently i don't know and but what would happen rabbits are all around there's loads of them all over portland and they live in burrows in the ground in and around the quarries and what you would see as a quarryman just you know in the seconds before a quarry collapsed or a, a tunnel you made has collapsed or something falls is that rabbits would come running out of their holes because they'd be able to feel the earth moving they come darting out their holes and, and run all over the th all over so that became a sign of really really bad luck to see a load of rabbits suddenly run out you know something bad's about to happen you know potentially it's the last thing some people ever saw and that is really got so ingrained in the psyche on portland now i i dare say it's it's at least a, a couple of generations since anyone saw rabbits darting out and died in a quarry accident on portland 
and and certainly, I think less of the island are, are employed in that industry, so it's 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 less prevalent, and it's dropped to the point of of just rabbit being a naughty word. But it is a naughty word, and while we were living there, one of the most interesting things was that the Wallace and Gromit movie, The Curse of the Were Rabbit, came out. The Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were Rabbit, and and in order not to encroach on the cultural sensitivity in order to respect the the people of Portland and this this tradition of of aversion to the word rabbit in the cinemas in Weymouth and in the posters that were put up around Weymouth and Portland the studio had a completely different design with and named the movie not the curse of the were rabbit which of course used the this the r word it was called something bunnies and the official portland version of curse of the were rabbit is something bunnies going on i'd love to see if you could get a copy of a, a poster i bet they i bet they sell for a, a fortune people really like wallace and gromit it's big big around bristol where where we are now i bet those those yeah should have held on to one of those And that was the first episode of Uncredible Adventures, White Rabbits, White Rabbits. I really hope you enjoyed that. There was a bit of a train of thought that led me back 10 years to the wonderful Isle of Portland. I would thoroughly recommend that you add it to your list of your bucket list of places you want to visit. It's definitely worth a visit. It's definitely worth a stay. If you do go to Portland... Don't be if you go into uh, Tout Quarry, you're not going to be able to steal any of these artworks. They're huge. They're, they're you know the smallest one is probably the size of a fridge. So don't think about that. But but equally, it is a genuinely interesting and exceptional place. And the last thing we want is people going and uh, causing it to be cut off, closed, or any of the rest. So be careful who you tell. Don't try and steal the art. And also don't use the word if you're in Portland. No one's going to be mortally wounded, but it would be the same as walking around swearing. But, yeah, this was the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I'd really love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear if you've got any experiences or or any stories for the future. Like I say, most of these stories are mine. Some of them are not. I've picked them up from interesting people I've met along the way. All of None of these stories is made up, but also none of them is entirely true. Please reach out. The website, uncredibleadventures.com. The email, hello at uncredibleadventures.com. We're on Twitter at UncrediblePod and on Instagram at UncredibleAdventures. I'm going to be posting some pictures up of Tout Quarry, some of the statues, some of the things you will see in Tout Quarry. So if you're interested, that'll be a great place to start jump up onto Twitter and to Instagram. And please don't forget, subscribe, leave us a comment wherever you get your podcast. It means a hell of a lot to me and it really will help me to share this podcast with other people who similarly might enjoy it, as I hope you have. So a priest, a vicar and a rabbit walk into a blood donation centre and the nurse says, yeah, what blood type are you? And the rabbit says, I think I'm a typo.